Listen, so um, today, and asking for a friend, we have a special guest speaker with us. So I want you to, uh, I know you know who it is. Just give him a big hand as he comes out to bring the word. Come on. Good morning, good morning. So uh, if you don't know me, my name is Adam Hatley, and I am the youth pastor here at The Gathering. And I know your first question is, what the heck are you wearing? I'm not going to tell you right now. So um, we're going to go ahead and jump in. I promise I will answer your question, just not at this moment. So the big question that we're conquering today is, how do I combat the fears of the unknown? Right? So... In this series, it's asking for a friend, so whether you've, uh, you've asked for yourself and you're just saying it's for a friend, or whether you're actually asking for a friend, you, somebody here has asked, what, how do I combat the fears of the unknown, fears of eternity, fears of Jesus coming back? So how do I stand up against these things? How do I combat these? How do I fight against them? And um, you, you may be asking, so Adam, you're 25 years old, how do you have any answers to any of this? And to be honest, I, I've got an answer mainly because Jesus spoke a word to me. But not only that, but he spoke a word to me for the past 12 years that I've, have, I've had to continue to live out so that I could fight this battle myself. When I was uh, 13 years old, my family was going to a movie theater up towards UNC Charlotte to watch Happy Feet. Worst movie ever. Absolutely hate it. Because of, what, because of what, I, what I experienced. So on the way up there, I'm riding with my parents in the car. And I was just like overtaken with this fear of being stuck. Like I had no, no ability to get outside of who I was or this life that I have. And I was like, you know, God, I, I'm struggling with this because I'm a Christian. And I believe that um, you've given us answers. But I've had a hard time struggling with how to, to battle this. And so as I was... Uh, Getting ready to, to preach for this series, Paul asked me, like, what message is God really speaking into you? And when I, I initially, I wanted to answer my own question because I asked, um, <laughs> I asked our Christmas decorations, paganistic. And I really, because, you know, I'm not a big Christmas decorator or carol lover. But I wanted to answer that question. Unfortunately, God had different plans. No, but for real. God did have different plans. He wanted me to share about something that he's been working on me in. And so today we're going to look at that. We're going to be in Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. That's going to be our main passage. But to be honest, we're going to be jumping around so much in Scripture that you're going to want to take notes. You're going to want to write these things down. And you're going to want to study them as you go throughout the week thinking about this question. But in thinking about this, I had a few questions myself. I was like, well, where does this fear come from? Does it come from God? Is it? Is it something that he's given us, or is it something that, that, that another factor is being played into our lives? And to be honest, I, I, I don't believe that this fear comes from God. I don't believe that any fear comes from God. Because when we look at 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, it says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. If we believe that scripture is true, then plain and simple, we see that God is not the one who gives us these fears. Now, whether you have this fear specifically, whether you fear the unknown, you fear eternity, you fear what, it, what things are going to be like because you don't know, or whether you have other fears where Satan used to try and maybe it's a fear of rejection. So God's telling you to go to witness to someone, to stand up for your faith, 
but you're, you're scared of what somebody might say. You're scared of what it might cost you to live out your faith. You're scared of disagreeing with a brother or sister in Christ and what they might say about you. But either way, I don't believe that God gives us these fears. I believe that God gives us a, power, a spirit of power and self-control and love. But what I do believe is that the thief, the thief is the one who comes to, to give us these fears, to try and inhabit us and try to change us and make us feel this. And in John 10, 10, it says this, it says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy Jesus speaking, he said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything that is good, everything about us, anything that points back to God. Why? Because Satan is, is afraid of what God can do. He, he's already been beaten. He knows he can't win, so he's trying to pull more people down and down with them. Right? So get this. What is Satan not afraid of? He's not afraid of the Christian who says, Okay, I'm scared to witness because I'm scared of what somebody might say. I don't want to go out and proclaim the good news because of what somebody might do to me or what, it, what reputation it may ruin. He's not scared of that. What Satan is scared of, other than the triune God who's already defeated him, is a Christian who says, God, I'm going to stand up for what you say do no matter what. And so when we, when we want to live this faith, when we want to fight against this fear of the unknown, the fear of eternity, Whatever it may be, any fear that, that happens, we have to go to the source, the one who has already won victory. The second question that, that I asked myself in preparation was, how do, how do I respond to this? So how, what, what process do I go through to get through this fear? How do I get from this side of fear to the other side of fear? And in the flesh, I, I thought of two options, and these are options that I've experienced in my life. One is I can completely ignore the fear and suppress all feelings. And that's never good because then you bury all of that inside. And anytime somebody brings it up in the slightest bit, your, your head explodes. So I'm like, I'm like one of these guys. I said, I've been struggling with this since I was 13. My dad is a guy who loves eschatology. For those of you who do not know, eschatology is the study of the end times. And so it was just a fun household to live in when you fear eternity. All right. Whew, sorry. My, my soft head's getting hot. But um, so it, there was constant times, and especially because God eventually called me into ministry, where my dad was like, let me show you something that, that God's showing me. And half the time I'm like, all right, dad. And so he starts showing me this stuff, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Because immediately, I, like, because I tried to suppress these fears, everything would just boil up at that point and and I would get so nervous and like there's times where I'd go to bed there was times where I'd been called into ministry and I was in my dorm room at college alone um, trying to to become a, a pastor someone who's learned scripture who has been working towards this and knowing that God's fully called me and immediately Satan attacked me and I'm like God shouldn't I be over this well, the other option that we have in the flesh is we can, we can try to think through it logically, which is what I did this night. I sat there and I tried to think through, all right, so eternity means that there was no end, there's no beginning, there's no end, and every, God has just been, then whether there's a place or not, you know, I can't fully understand that. How long that is, I can't fully understand that. God, like, I, in my mind, in my flesh, I'm like, I can't even process that. I can't understand that God has existed forever before me and will exist forever after I'm 
leaving this earth. Like it's, it's so insane to think about because that was the fear that I had. Because I like to think through things. I like to think logically. I like to know answers. I like to understand. But this was one fear that I just couldn't understand. And so I, I realized that these two ways in the flesh just don't do us any good. We can't just focus on it and try to think our way out of it because we have a finite mind that can't understand fully the infinite things of God. And I also understand that I can't just suppress it because we're always going to face these trials. So then how do we get through it? So how do we fight this, these fears? And I believe in 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 58, um, we begin to see this. And I believe the answer is simple, that we fight just like, just like the pastor was saying, we fight through Jesus because he's already won the victory. And verse 55 says, Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, then it goes on to say, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. See, when we, when we want to fight, we want to combat these fears, whether it be eternity or rejection or whatever it may be, no matter what we do, we have to turn to God. And, and then we flip over to Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. I hope you're there because this is, this is where we're going to spend a lot of the time for the next few minutes it says do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and get this man this is a good verse and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus so the first way practically how do we walk out our faith how do we fight against these fears the first way practically that we do this is in verse 6 and that is by prayer right so I, I this this message didn't work out to be something really cute and artsy like I like I'm uh, I like to have alliteration and today I don't but uh, I believe that God just gave me a word to come straight out of his word so the first way that we combat this fear is by prayer When, um, <laughs> it cracked me up, I'm sorry. We're going to have to edit that out. But, um, or we'll leave it in, who cares. But when, when we're going about this fight, when we're, when we're fighting against what is being brought up to us, we have to turn to Jesus. And so I, I've, been, I've been praying this week because um, verse 6 really was interesting to me because you have prayer and supplication and in my understanding, I was like, what's the difference? And we'll get to that. I'll, I'll explain that a little bit later. But God began to show, show me something about prayer. So neither, neither one of those two things are more important than the other. But there's two completely different aspects to these. So in, in prayer, what we experience is we experience conversation with God. The God who created everything wants to have conversation with us. Why? Because he's, he's made us to be relational. He's made us to relate to other people, but also to relate to him. To, we've, we're made in his image, so why would we not relate to him? Why would we not have conversation with him? And so he's saying, when, when you have troubles, no, no, that's not what he said. In verse 6, he said, do not be anxious about anything, 
but in everything. Right? So if you're only coming to God when you're in trouble, you're, you're running a little late. Because God is relational. He wants to have this relationship with, with you where he wants to know what you're doing. He wants to speak life and speak truth into what you're doing. He wants to carry you out and show you the love that he has for you. He wants to help you understand how to live this life so that you can be a, a witness for him, so that you can bring honor and glory for him, so that you can just solely take your life and say, none of it has to do with Adam, but it all points straight to Jesus. Like, I... I know it's really hard to take me seriously right now, especially the way I look. But what started off as something goofy, and I, can, I, have, I have my witnesses here that this started off just as something goofy. But what started off as something goofy, God has turned into something amazing, right? And so by prayer, we come to God. We have opportunity to have conversation with the creator of the world, to, to glorify him, to speak with him. Why? What? What purpose is there in knowing God? What purpose is there in having relationship with God? Well, in, in Jesus' example, in uh, Matthew 6, 9, and 11, Luke eleven two, 2, the Lord's Prayer, I'm pretty sure most of us know that, if not all of us. But Jesus tells us how to pray, and he says, when you pray like this, say. And the first two words-ish is, our Father, or Father. Because God is not okay with his creation just being something that he's made and he stepped away from. But he's saying that he wants to have an intricate relationship, an intimate relationship with the one that he created. So that they can call out to him in their troubles, in their good times, when they're making decisions, when they're seeking him. No matter what it is, when, when we need God, which I don't know if you know this, but it's all the time. Like I need God all the time because Adam can't handle this life. But when we need God all the time, we have the opportunity to come to him relationally and talk to him through prayer. And so when I, when I thought about this, uh, this relationship that we have with God, 1 John 3, 1 came to mind. And it says this, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. We're not called to be like the world. We're not called to be of the world, we're called to be in the world, pointing back to the light of Christ, which is why we're experiencing these trials and temptations of Satan coming and attacking us, because he wants to do everything he can to limit us, to completely contain us, to keep us be from being beneficial for God. When, when we seek to be completely obedient to God, we see that he wants us to draw closer to him so we can be more like him, so that we can walk in his way and Satan's like, I need to do everything I can to trip Adam up. I need to do everything I can to destroy who Adam is. I need to kill his passion for God. I need to thank him. I need to, I need to steal his joy to serve God by telling him he doesn't understand enough about God to be able to go and serve him. I need to destroy the witness that, that Adam could have for God by saying, Adam, you're really not good. Adam, you, you can't do this. And he's absolutely right. I can't. There's no part of me that can overcome this fear. I have a limited, finite mind that cannot understand all the fears that I face. So why would I believe that the limited, finite person of Adam could take care of these issues? I have to stand solely focused on the one who has already won the victory. Not for himself, because if you remember, Jesus threw Satan out of heaven. He won victory for us so that we could experience relationship with him. I, I, hey, I get it. I'm talking super fast 
I'm sorry, but I, I believe God is just uh, really, really working on me and working some of this. And so the second way that we, we battle this fear, we combat this fear of eternity, is through supplication, right? That's by supplication. Now, you may be asking, what is supplication? And that is the act of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. And so... Um, I looked for biblical examples of this in Scripture, and ironically enough, we can look back to Jesus, because we can always do that. In Matthew 26, 39, uh, it says this. This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying, and he says, And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Right? Asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. The creator of the world, the king of all things, he came, left his throne, came to earth to serve us, to serve the world, to be the sacrifice. But he still asked God humbly. He got down. He was, he was praying to God. He was in supplication, asking God to, to move, to change what he was going to have to go through so that we could experience life. But he, he ended it with this, right? He said, not my will, but yours be done. So get this, in, in my conversation with God this week, prayer becomes something that was relational. And supplication become, became lordship. Like saying, prayer says... I see you as Lord. This supplication, this lordship says, I see that you have power over everything. And so when we, when we move through this, when we think about this, it's saying, God, I'm coming to you relationally as my father, but I know that you also have the power to move. So we need both of them. We need every aspect of it with thanksgiving. Why? Because I've never walked in and been into a conversation with someone and, and had to talk and had to be thankful. Like, I've never been thankful and not been humble because it's like meeting your, your idols. You're always like, oh, I don't get that way. So I don't, no, I'm just kidding. But like, when you, when you walk in and you meet somebody and it's like that, you know that they've been busy. They've had a, a hard week. They've been, schedules just crazy. And they take time to meet with you. You're like, Man, thank you so much for letting me have this time. Thank you for letting me have this conversation. Thank you for, for speaking to me. And when, when we recognize the Almighty, the, the God, the Savior, the one, who, the one who gave himself for me, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the I, the end of the life, I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Who loved me and gave himself for me. We have a ton of reasons to be thankful to God. To, for one, one simple one is we have the opportunity to step before him and ask him to make our request known to him. But another reason is that he loves us. Another reason is just that he's God. Because God deserves praise just for being him. Not because he's done anything for us, which he has. Not because he is 
because he has any other reasons, but because of who he is, God just strictly deserves praise. But God wasn't okay with us living a life where we, uh, we have to do everything on our own. And so he asked us in, at the end of verse 6, and he says, So with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And this is the third uh, way we combat fears of the unknown is by making the request known to God. We, we make this request known to God through prayer because he loves us with supplication because we see that he has power over everything. And so it, it just it blows my mind that God doesn't, isn't just okay with like saying, all right, here's Adam. He's spinning on the world. He's doing his thing. Let me step back and step away from his life. No, he, he sees me. He sees each of us. He, he knows who we are. He knew who we were before we were born. He knows who we are now. He knows the numbers of the hair on our heads. All of these scriptures that we've heard quoted off just come to life because we realize that the God who created all is the God who sees us and wants, wants to hear from us. When we're in conversation with God, that means that we are speaking to him, but more importantly, we should be listening to him. When, when we are making our requests known to God, when we are asking of him to move, when, we were at, we're, when we're bowing down before him, asking him just to pour into our life, we should be listening because God, has, God knows me more than I know me, but God also knows what people need to hear. God knows what people need to see. God knows what people need to feel. And so if I'm living my life and I'm just walking around doing my own thing, then that's cool and all for me. But am I, am I being useful for God? Am I being used to the best of, best of my abilities? So I told you that I, I struggle with this fear. This fear of eternity. I, I've struggled with it for, for 12 years, and just in the past three years, God's really been working on me. So he's been changing me. He's been showing me these passages, that I should, I should make my request known to God, that I should come to him in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, because he cares for me. He doesn't just want to leave me high and dry. But um, we get into verse 7, and, and it says this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You, some people just don't realize how real this is. Because the peace of God takes a person who can absolutely be crumbled. The person who, who walks back and forth, pant, like, you know, wears out the carpet in his dorm room because he can't do his schoolwork because he's too focused on the fears that Satan is putting in front of them. But the peace of God, it, it passes my ability to understand. It, it goes so much farther than, than what I can even comprehend to the point that I recognize this fear. So I, I see this fear coming up, and just in conversation with loved ones over the past few weeks, I'm like, I was telling my cousin, I was like, dude, I'm getting to preach on this. And I, I was telling my girlfriend too, and they were like, oh, that's, that's good, I guess. And I'm like, dude, it's awesome because I was like, it really is great because now I'm no longer fit. Ah, I'm no longer living in this bondage. I'm no longer living in this fear, but I'm, because I, I've learned that God wants me to bring this to him, that he's, that he's guarding my heart and my mind. He's giving me this peace that passes all of my understanding. 
And in Christ Jesus, I, I get the benefits when I come to him. Not because of anything I've done, but because of who he is. And so let me, uh, let me read you a verse to wrap things up here. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 8. Y'all are going to be like, I didn't understand a word that guy said. So it says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he, might, he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him. That's your fears. That's your worries. Cast them all on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. This isn't alcohol. This is intentionally thinking. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So, you've been wondering what this is all about. Well, my, my witness is not here anymore. She, she's left me. But, um, but, so one of my students had a bunch of friends here at church last week. And I was like, hey, uh, if you guys come back next week, I'll preach in a, a sloth outfit because I really thought like for my one year dating anniversary, I was going to get this. I didn't, but I went and bought it anyways because I liked it. And so, so I ended up getting this and everything. And um, I was like, I kept texting the student. I was like, so hey, are your friends coming? Like they're interested? Because when I told them, they're like, yeah, we're going to try and come. And so far, I know of at least one student that's coming. And what really started off as something goofy, just to get some teenagers here to hear what God, this message that God's been laying on my heart, God really began to speak to me about how we move to Him. And so, like, when it comes to my thoughts, my ability to outthink my fears, to my, my ability to move, to see what I can do to get things done, I'm this guy right here. I'm the flash. Because I know how to jump to my, to my thoughts, right? I know how to move quickly to, to do what I think's right. And I know how to move exactly what I, what I want to do. But then I become this guy when it's time to seek God. You see, when, when, it, when it comes to seeking God, when it comes to just doing His will, and when it comes to facing our fears, if we move, move like a sloth, if we're slothful in our, in our thoughts towards God, the devil is prowling, prowling. He is on the prowl. I can't say that word, right? And he's looking for someone to devour. Right? And so with, with wrapping up, and I'm sorry we've taken a little bit longer than usual, but wrapping up, I want you to realize that I'm not like up here just saying, hey, do this because you need to, because you need to spend time with God. I'm saying do this because I've experienced what it's like not to have them. I've experienced what it's like to try and walk through these fears on your own and you end up banging your head against the dorm room door in college even though you profess to know the God who's going to set you free from that fear. But let me tell you what happens is God gets a hold of you through other people or when you turn to Him and He changes the person that you are. You're no longer caught up by that fear. You're now caught up in who the God is that can save you and set you free and you're no longer okay with that. 
You're no longer okay with this bondage. You're no longer okay with this fear. But you're saying, God, I want to live for you. I want to be obedient for you. And I want to show the world your life. And when that happens, we, we don't worry about what it looks like on the outside. We make sure that our insides are pointing directly to Jesus. Because we can't fix ourselves. We can't fix each other. Like if you hear this message and you think that I'm just like telling you some good news, just like you want to listen to me, that's, that's terrible. That's junk. You should just throw it in the garbage. But if you see this message, you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth and you say, I need to turn to Jesus because he's the one who can set me free. That's absolutely what I intended. Because it's not me. It's not my ability. It's all of what God's doing. And so we're about to, we're about to take some time to pray because there is power in the name of Jesus. Like, there was no planning our part for what this message, the music was going to be. But there was absolutely planning on God's part that there is power in the name of Jesus. So if you've experienced that, if, if you're struggling, if you have something that you need to be set free from, no matter what it is, if God is speaking to you and wants to move into your life right now, then I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm not asking you to move. What I'm asking you to do is to start a relationship with Jesus. If you don't know him, but you want to know him, start that relationship now. Ask him to be your savior. Show him that you believe in him and that you want to follow him by talking to him. Have conversation with him. Have a relationship with him. All right? If you have any questions and you want to talk, I know Pastor Paul will talk. I know I'll talk. Any of the leaders here would love to be able to talk with you. So let's pray. God, thank you for this day that you've given us. Just thank you for this time to be able to worship you, God. For there is no name greater to be praised than yours. And Lord, I ask that your spirit would just go out, God. That you would just move in the hearts and souls of people. And that they would know you, God. And that you would know them. God, that you would just pour yourself into them. And that you would just love them so deeply, so intimately, God. That they can't escape your presence, that they can't walk out of these doors, out of these chairs, out of their seat, Lord God, just they can't move without knowing that you are real and that your power can overtake everything. God, I love you and I thank you for what you've done in my life, but God, I love you so much more for just who you are. God, I ask that you would just become real to everyone here today, that God, they would just know you so much, God. I love you and I praise you, God, and it's in your precious and holy name we pray.